Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Astrology with Janet Hickox. It's time to grab your cup of coffee or your tea, sit back, and let's chat about what is happening up in the stars above us today. And it's Friday, Friday, so we'll be talking about what to expect for the weekend. And let me tell you, April has been so much more quiet than March was, even though there's been a lot happening. It just doesn't sound as loud or feel as loud. I don't know. Maybe you guys are feeling it loudly. I don't know. Uh, but good morning to everybody. It's good to be back. And it's good to be back on air as well to be able to share with you everything that is going on in the stars. So today, what we're going to do is talk a little bit about where the moon is right now. And then we'll take a look at some of the transits for the weekend, which there's really only one, and that's today, and then the moon over the weekend. So it's not a whole lot. Um, but I also want to do a retrospective, if you will. I want to go back to the beginning of when the sun moved into Aries and kind of even going back maybe one step further where the um, beginning of the zodiac sign of Aries was, which was back in March. So March 20th, the spring equinox and or fall equinox, if you're listening to us from below the equator. And see what it is that we're actually celebrating as we move into the ending of Aries and getting ready to move into Taurus. Next week, we move into Taurus on Thursday, and that is the day right after the new moon solar eclipse. So next week, we have a lot to talk about, but the weekend, time to take a breath, <laughs> time to relax, uh, have some fun, perhaps, uh, and then uh, get ready for what comes next. Of course, there's always something next. So let's see, checking in this morning, we have Debbie tibbetts Tumiel. Good morning and happy Friday. Yay to you as well. Christine Buckingham, hello. Treat yourself. Good morning, everybody. Terry, good to see you out there. Andy Girl, Grand Rising. Have a great day. Tom, Bebopalula, Astro Design Family. Good morning to you, Tom. And Pam Zaruba. And as you can see, uh, Terry bought me a shirt. I'm running on coffee and astrology. So true, right? Coffee and astrology, my favorite subject. Uh, good morning, Joan. It's good to see you. And I missed all of you as well. I tried to do a broadcast on Monday, but going through the mountains of Southern Oregon is not conducive to good cell signal. And certainly I didn't have, you know, Wi-Fi, so it was uh, not possible. And, uh, you know, this is so funny. We have been, for the last couple of weeks, moving through the gate of shock. First, we had Jupiter sitting at the gate of shock, the gate 51 in your human design. It sits on the heart center and it connects when it connects, it connects up to the identity center at gate 25. So we have the gate 25, which is the love of spirit, but gate 51, the gate of shock. And there were so many things that were happening of shocking value, at least to my life. I don't know about you guys and your experiences, but I bet you, you were experiencing them as well. But they weren't necessarily <coughs> bad shocks. Uh, I found out on Monday, the very last day when the sun was at the gate of shock, I found out that my oldest son and his wife are expecting, I'm going to be a grandma again. And I am so excited over the moon. That will make a total of 12 grandkids for me, 12. 
Four of them, of course, are step-grandchildren, but the rest are all from my children. And uh, I'm excited about that, as you can tell. So there was that shock. But then on the way home, we also got caught up in a police shooting on in Salem, Oregon, on I-5, the main uh, highway moving through the state. And we, we had to take a, a detour that took us off the freeway, took us back south, then headed us east, and then north so that we could reconnect with I-5. Uh, I forgot the name of the town where we reconnected with I-5, but it, oh, two extra hours sitting in traffic. And this was like a little teeny town that it that it took us through. And I'm sure the people, the citizens of that little town were like, what the heck is going on here? Uh, but anyway, it was a blessing perhaps that we weren't involved at the time the police shooting happened. Uh, and it was also a blessing that we actually easily made it through the detour. It wasn't, it was just long. That's all. It didn't ever stop and, you know, cause us to not be able to move forward. It was just tedious, right? Tedious. And then we found out after we got home that, you know, we had torrential rain nearly the entire trip home anyway. And from the time we left, uh, we got to about, I don't know, Grants Pass, I guess it was in Oregon, and it just started pouring and it rained all the way till we got here at home. And it wasn't just like little bits of rain, it was like torrential rain on us. And then we found out just behind us, there was a landslide that closed off northbound I-5. We, if we had gotten stuck there, I, I don't even want to think because I don't even think there are exits there that they, they would have had to take us off back in Oregon somewhere. And uh, so, so luck, right? But shocking, these little shocking things that were happening this whole time and, but not necessarily bad shocks, kind of fun ones in some cases, right? But now I know for everybody, it's not going to be uh, all good stuff. There may be some very jarring things that have happened. So now you're sitting beyond the time that the sun or Jupiter were sitting at the gate 51. So now you can take a look back at what, what things have awakened me and what things have acted on me to broaden my horizon or to maybe shut some part of me down that needed to be shut down, right? Because this is an energy that comes along to hurt you uh, or to you know, cause harm, it's usually something that changes your life direction, perhaps, uh, because maybe you've been hesitant to do it on your own, right? So the, the universe gives you a big help, a push, a boost, a kick in the pants to do something new. Uh, thank you all for uh, the congratulations. Good morning, Kajella. Good morning to Lisa Cunningham. Good to see you. You're not late. We just started. And treat yourself. Good morning. And is there anybody else? Colleen McSpirit, good morning to you. Good to see you. I haven't seen you in here in a long time. Uh, so again, this morning, Terry Strauss, our medium in charge here, sent me a um, an email about the huge subduction fault that lives off the coast of Washington, Oregon and uh, British Columbia or off Vancouver Island anyway. I'm not sure how far north it goes. And uh, it gave me pause because yesterday there was a 6.0 earthquake off of Vancouver Island on that same subduction zone uh, fault. Uh, so now, you know, I'm glad that shock is over because I really don't want to have that shock 
of a 9.0 earthquake, which is what they are alluding to for us here off the coast. So let's pray Mother Earth stays in peace and she doesn't feel the need to shock us any further on uh, our lives or on our paths here in the Pacific Northwest. Oh my goodness. Not that I want anybody else to have that instead of us. I'm just saying, just saying we can avoid this, right? Uh, all right. So let's dig in, shall we, to today's moon. The moon is in Aquarius and we'll be transiting out of Aquarius tomorrow through a fairly long void of course. So I, I'm always happy when a void of course moon happens on a weekend because it doesn't mean that I'm sitting at my desk trying to get something done and I can't get it done or I keep getting interrupted or you know things are happening that I can't get done. It's on a Saturday, so it's okay because we are on a party day tomorrow and the moon is going to be in void on Saturday from 8, 16 a.m., this is Pacific time, all the way to 4 o'clock, 3.57 p.m., uh, also West Coast time, so nearly, you know, uh, an eight-hour uh, time period. So have some fun and play, but don't expect to get much done, right? It's not going to be one of those heavy work days uh, where you can get a lot accomplished. Um, it might be a good day to maybe, you know, finish things that are half-started. Right. Don't start something and expect to finish it. But if anything's in process, you can probably get it finished up with the final push of the moon in Aquarius. And then that means at 3.57 p.m. tomorrow, West Coast time, the moon will move into Pisces, a new sign where immediately it's going to meet up with Saturn. So here's the deal. On Saturday, you don't want to push yourself because on Sunday morning, you may regret it. Right. When the moon comes into connection with Saturn, uh, it's almost like karma coming home to roost. It could be a feeling of lethargy where I'm just too tired to get up and do anything. And I'm going to pay attention because my brother, sister-in-law and sister are here for a visit. We visited them down in Oregon. Now they're up here in Washington with us and we have a party planned tomorrow. So I'm going to behave myself. I know this because with the moon in the void, it's real easy sometimes to get overboard in some ways. And so I'm going to behave. I'm not going to drink as much Patron as she gave me last weekend. That is a tequila that is oh so strong. Whew. And that's the case for us for this weekend. So take everything in moderation tomorrow so that on Sunday when the moon hits Saturn, you are not being hit with the results of your Saturday night. However, now when we are looking at the moon in the sign of Aquarius, we have a sign that the moon becomes sort of detached emotionally, right? Aquarius as a sign has a bit of detached view, right? It's able to step back, be more objective, if you will, and to be able to see things from a different perspective. And the moon, of course, is emotions. So if we have the emotions detached, then perhaps we are not as reactive to stimulus in our lives as we would be at other times. So that's today and tomorrow, right? All day today and uh, part of the day tomorrow. Well, all day until you, if you want to think about until four o'clock at least, my time. And that is a time then where maybe we can get a better hold of our emotional selves, where we're not as reactive to things that people say or to things that happen. Cool and calm, perhaps, rules the day. But we also know that Aquarius is kind of fringy, right? It gets kind of weird 
it gets unique, let's call it unique or eccentric. And it can be a time where we have sudden shifts or sudden things that happen. And that's owing to the fact that Uranus is the modern ruler of the sign of Aquarius. And he does things in a way that we don't expect. So when we don't expect something, we can become shocked. Luckily, we're not in the gate of shock. But we will have opportunities maybe to express ourselves in new and innovative ways, be different, march to the beat of your own drummer, all of that kind of stuff this weekend. Um, it can also be a time to just, you know, let your hair down. You can see my hair is down. It's in the way. Uh, let your hair down and just, you know, be you, right? Don't put all of the the extras on just to make another person happy. Just be you. It is also a time for friends and to, you know, socialize, to be out in the world with your networks of people and your associations, right? The, you know, people that are, you know, outward from your networks. It is a time of innovation and genius. This is genius time and breakthroughs can happen during this kind of a transit. Now, remember the moon for a good part of Saturday is wobbling. It's kind of just hanging around. It doesn't have any new connections that push us forward. So it does leave time for us to break through in some way, right? Maybe you've been working on a problem and you have it's been elusive, the solution, um, or uh, what you need to do next has been elusive, and suddenly that can come in, right? It's not necessarily a time to take action in a new way, but certainly an, a solution showing up can tell you what your next steps would be. And again, we have the detached view, seeing things from uh not so close right from stepping back and looking back in to be a little more detached um this is also a sign of humanitarianism so being a champion for humanity or for being altruistic and you know seeing how you might be able to help a friend in need or uh, a group in need but we do have to watch out for a couple of things. We always do with every sign. We have the high and we have the low, right? We got both. The low in Aquarius is having your head so much up in the clouds, right? Because they're thinkers. This is an air sign. So you could be, you know, so far out, far out uh, that you need to come down and ground, right? And on the other hand, Aquarius is a sign that can get caught up in rigidness in their opinions. It's fixed air. So their ideas get fixed, their thoughts get fixed, what they think about gets fixed, meaning stays this course. So we have to watch for rigidity, repeating patterns of thought that just keep going round and round. Yeah, stubbornness. They, they do have a little bit of stubborn streak here and being hard to relate to one-on-one. -on -one. Um, I have an Aquarius grandchild and... I, I don't know. Sometimes I think he is just this genius in the making and it's hard to relate to him on a personal level. Sometimes it's not anything that he's doing wrong. And if you have Aquarius friends, you might have had that same experience where like, I don't know, they're out here somewhere, not in an airy fairy sort of way, but more like, you know, they're they're thinking so far ahead that they're not necessarily sitting right in front of you. So you ha we have to watch that. We have to watch being grounded and staying in each other's uh, energies. Now on Sunday, of course, the moon then is moving into Pisces. Pisces, the sign of the two fishes. And I didn't know this, 
but there is a fixed star, and I'll be darned if I can remember the name of it, that is the knot that ties the two fishes together. And I think I saw this on Astrology Zone, maybe. If you ever go, he does a lot, uh, his name's Jamie, and he does a lot of um, fixed star kind of work. And uh, check it out, Pisces Fixed Stars. Uh, because one, there's a very powerful star that holds the two fishes together, a fixed star, which kind of means that are these two fishes of Pisces fixed in a dance, right? Always continually swimming through, but not necessarily far flinging, but staying kind of tightly in either the conscious mind or the unconsciousness, subconscious, unconscious, conscious, right? So interesting because the moon in Pisces, of course, adds its own level of intuition and knowingness to Pisces already high intuition and connection to spirit through the planet Neptune that rules Pisces. So Sunday could be a very Sunday and Monday and a little bit on Tuesday uh, can be very much intuitive for us or uh, instinctual. There may be just some high awareness that we have. People like you, Terry Strauss, <laughs> who says she's always out there, might be more out there than usual uh, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, which can make it difficult. Remember, the feet are the part of the body that Pisces rules or the that, that association with that part of the body, which means bringing down your feet to the ground. And it is called, uh, Kajela, it is a... <laughs> not astrology zone astrology king hold on let me check my my things my sites here astrology king yes astrology king astrologyking.com and uh he he he's amazing actually he's a little more masculine and possibly a little bit more negative you know in the dire way that he brings some of the information, but I still like to read what he has to say uh, when I'm looking for specific info. So check that one out. Uh, anyway, going back to Pisces, we may feel a little out there um, because we are out there at this point in time. So Sunday and going into Monday, you know, check what is your intuition telling you, right? What What's screaming at you? Uh, well, it wouldn't be screaming necessarily because the intuition speaks quietly. But what what are you feeling called to do or to say or to act on that normally you're not listening to? So that will be for us on Sunday, Monday and early on Tuesday. Now, remember, that is a sign also of imagination and creativity, uh, being able to envision or sense the future, especially from a creative standpoint, like it, it has a, I, I always think of it as a sort of sci-fi feel, right? You know, it can take, you know, as we transition from Aquarius, where innovation and technology and, uh, you know, out of the box thinking lives, then we can bring it into Pisces and illuminate it a bit, embellish it with the imagination, so that we can you know, really start to bring into reality what it is that we can 
think about, right? What it is that we can sense. And Pisces is a highly sensitive sign. It's sensitive emotionally, it's sensitive psychically, but it's also sensitive to the morphogenetic fields, right? The, the strands of the future, if you will, the strands that connect us all together. And they can tune in very easily, or we can all tune in very easily to those uh, currents of energy uh, that that tie us to each other, but also to the future, but also to the past, right? Remember, the past is holding some of the unconsciousness. So it's also highly compassionate, loving uh, energy, and it can also, in the more negative, end up being the victim, uh, where helplessness, helplessness and anxiety can come into play. Uh, we may have to find ourselves dealing with addictions and all kinds of addictions, not just alcohol or drugs, but all of the different things that we can get addicted to, uh, as well as this concept of surrender that comes through Pisces. There's a book. Oh, I closed it out. Um, the Surrender Experiment. If you want to know what Janet's reading or what she's about to read, it's a book called The Surrender Experiment by Michael Singer, who wrote The Untethered Soul, which I read years ago, but I'm just about to finish rereading. So I want to go with this next book. And in this book, this is so Piscean as a theme, right? Um, in this next book, what he does is he does this experiment. He asks himself, what would happen if I just surrendered to life? What would happen if I just gave up trying to force things to happen or to push myself in certain directions? What if I just said, I surrender? And I'm really anxious to read this book and see how that experiment goes. Because I don't know about you guys, but I'm getting tired of the stress and the struggle and the push and the strain and the back to struggle and then the battles and all of that. I'm really tired of that. I'm tired of that in my outer world, but I'm also tired of it in me where I'm trying to struggle and I'm trying to do and I'm trying to be, you know, I wear all these different hats. And so what would happen if I just gave it all up? What would happen if I just said, oh, I surrender? I don't know. I might try that experiment, but I'm going to read it first. I'm going to read it first and then I might try the experiment. So Pam's Ruba says she's feeling the need to crawl in a hole for four days starting yesterday. Uh, with Pisces rising. Yeah, yeah, that could be. But, you know, if you're crawling into the hole, then make it sort of like going into the cave, right? If, if you've ever done shamanic work, often a shamanic vision starts with, you know, you moving into Mother Earth, uh, the womb of Mother Earth, or into a cave that's under the ground where you feel safe and protected and warm and dry, and uh, just where you feel, you know, comfortable. And that can be what you're doing, right? You're going inward. It represents going inward and going into the inner soul, going into your higher self even. So um, it'll be it'll be interesting, right? And yes, Lisa, the moon will conjunct Saturn in Pisces, which is why I said on Sunday, uh, it might be a good day not to have over imbibed on Saturday, because then you're going to pay that price Sunday morning. And that can be with, you know, feeling low, depressed, lethargic, tired, 
exhausted. Those kinds of words come up when we have the moon conjuncting Saturn, uh, any planet conjuncting Saturn, but moon. But the nice thing about the moon is she moves fast, so we won't have to deal with it for that long. Now, the weekend transits, of course, beginning today, I always start on Friday. I, I think of Friday as the weekend, even though it isn't, <laughs> but it is. And today we have Venus in a square to Saturn. Now, I usually look at that in terms of the astrology of Venus. What does Venus represent? And, you know, uh, some of you out there have studied astrology for a while. So here's something that I'm struggling with in my own head that I want to share and have you all start working on it in your heads too, because it's always nice to do this, you know, not to be alone in my madness. Um, Venus as a planet, right? There's news coming out every day, it seems like, about Venus as a planet, right? Going back to images of her uh, from, you know, the earlier, um, uh, what were those, the Voyagers, the different satellites and things that we've, or, or rockets or things that we've sent out there to look at. Venus and also noticing that there are volcanoes and they're erupting and Venus's surface is upwards of 700 degrees Fahrenheit. That's hot. That is so hot. And it's hotter than Mercury and Mercury is closer to the sun, right? So we have this very hot planet that rotates backwards uh, or upside down, I guess you could say. And yet, so, you know, everything we know about her as a planet, so I'm talking astronomical, is that she's hotter than you know what, and she is unique and does things in her own way, and is not a pleasant planet, right? Not pleasant. Yet in astrology, Venus represents beauty and harmony and love and money and flow and peacefulness right we so it's so weird right because all the other planets kind of go along with the uh astrological assignation so i don't know what to think about that so i've been thinking is there something more about venus that we need to look at maybe we're just kind of you know shielding ourselves from the more negative aspects of the planet venus in the astrology of venus not just the planet because the planet presents herself as a hot brutal landscape, right? And yet we think of her as benevolent and beautiful in astrology. So it's hard to make the two work together. So I want to know what you guys think about it. So think about that. Anyway, so let's look at Venus and Saturn's square today through human design. And what's the energy of the two gates that are being activated by Venus and Saturn in this case? And uh, it's interesting because when you look at astrology, we talk about the relationship between planets. So we have squares, we have conjunctions, we have oppositions, we have, you know, all of those words that describe the relationship between the planets. But in human design, we don't do that. There isn't a Venus square Saturn kind of transit that's relatable to human design. So instead, we have to look at each of the gates that are that the planets are sitting at and describe those energies, and then know if it's a square that we might have some challenges between those two energies. Does that make sense? Let me know if that's making sense to you. Now, I'm going to start with Saturn here, because Saturn is in the gate and line where God lives, right? Gene Keys, Richard Rudd talks about the gate 55-5, the 55 in the line 5, 
as where God lives. And actually, Karen Curry Parker, years ago, when I first studied, studied human design, I mean, like way back in 2013, was talking about the same gate and line where God lives. So Saturn right now is in the line where God lives. So I, I was thinking about that this morning. So the 55 is on the emotional center, right? So the solar plexus. And uh, let me let me see. Maybe I'll share my screen. Hold on, just one minute. Uh, I'm going to share my screen, and it is this one. Here we go. So over here, this is where the 55 is. Are you guys seeing my screen? Yeah, it says I'm sharing. So I'm just going to have faith that I am. So right here, this is the solar plexus. If you can see my little cursor moving around here, and here is the gate 55. And uh, it is a gate that is called the gate of spirit or the gate of abundance through spirit. It is also called the gate of faith. But it is a gate on the emotional center where we are tapping in to all of the divine gifts that we have. Hmm. Godlike, right? Sounds very godlike. Are all of our divine gifts are kind of in this gate. Now the fifth line is a line that is a, a sort of reflection of uh, the karma, let's say, or the reflection of, let's call it the Maya, if we will, right? The illusion that we're somehow separate from our divine selves. So it begs for us to, to really stay in the flow, if you will, of spirit to have faith that yes, we may be experiencing challenges, or yes, we may have, you know, trials and tribulations or ups and downs going on, but that it's not punitive, right? These are about experiences that lead us to evolve, to become more inspirited. So Saturn right now, the planet of duty and responsibility, of limits and constrictions, of doing your uh, due diligence is in that gate, the gate of God, right? The gate of God or the line of the gate of God. And remember in the gene keys, when we elevate this out of the shadow of victimhood or of victimization, we get to freedom. And so in the gene keys, where we typically have a shadow, a gift, and a city, which is just the highest expression through that energy of that gate or gene key, um, we have freedom in the gift and we have freedom as the city, the highest expression. Here is the gift of freedom where you are like God, right? We are all of divine nature. There is nothing, you have intrinsic value as a divine being that's in your human body. You don't have to do anything to earn the right to live or to earn money or to earn abundance, right? It's a gift. It's part of who you are. Having faith is the only key here that we need to be aware of. So that's the 55. This is where Saturn is sitting. Now, Venus herself, she's up here on the throat center at the gate 20 during this period of time. I'm going to take this away right now. Oops. Bye-bye.
there we go. So now we have the gate 20. Now the gate 20 on the throat center is a gate of manifesting then, right? Get manifesting and communication on the gate 20. So Venus, what is the communication that's coming out of here? This is about empowerment. The gate 20 is about empowerment. So you can almost see the Saturn place where it's where God lives and the empowerment where Venus is butting each other means that we are struggling with our own sovereignty, with our own divinity, or we're struggling against it, perhaps, right? So we can look and see that the whole messaging system between Venus squaring Saturn today is really about finding our power, communicating from a powerful place. And as well, recognizing and having faith that that is exactly true for who we are, that we don't have to do anything. Here's the sacral. Neither one of those are on the sacral. Of course, the 20 will connect to the sacral if you have the gate 34 defined, but it's not connected today. It's not connected. It's hanging here, which means we are speaking and communicating and manifesting empowerment. and by having faith that we are deserving of it, that it's from a place of intrinsic value. And of course, we are also knowing this is Venus and that that is our relationships, right? So in our relationships, being empowered, but also not necessarily being empowered by walking on someone else or taking power away from someone else. All right. We're going to come back to the screen in a minute. Uh, go back to StreamYard and stop sharing. There we go. Okay. So what do you guys think about that? What questions do you have about that? Uh, Lisa, emotional maturity. There's that too. That's about Piscean energy as well. That's where Saturn is. We're learning about emotional intelligence, right? Emotional intelligence is when we don't react or knee jerk to the things that are happening in our lives or in our relationships or just in general, right? We respond and response is where Venus will connect to. If she, if you guys have 34 in your chart, then you are going to get connected up and be responsive in empowering yourself, right? Uh, Lisa, empowerment, manifestation, our inner child communication, and it's okay to pause. That's interesting. I like the way that looks. And yes, I did, Tom. Thank you for noticing. Um, I don't have my purple ones on. These are blue and black or light blue here and then dark blue, black. I don't know, whatever color, but they're lighter weight. And I like that. They don't slide down my nose like my other ones were doing. Okay, questions about anything to do with Venus square Saturn, go ahead and type that into the uh, comment section and I'll be happy to answer that. On Saturday the 15th, which would have been tax day for us here in the US, uh, I finally got my taxes done the day before yesterday. Mm -hmm. I was avoiding it at all costs, but I finally got it done, it's gone. Uh, Moon. On Saturday, conjunct Saturn, which we've been sort of talking about here, which means the moon is also going to be at the gate 55.5, right? That's where the moon is going to be. 
Now the moon is there once a year or once a month. So it's not like banner, you know, time, but it's interesting because the moon and Saturn coming together at the gate 55 could really strike up a, a conversation between us, our, our human self and our higher self, right? Our God selves. So that could be really an interesting day. We also have the moon in a sextile to Jupiter and the sun. So we have good day overall later in the day. The morning time where moon is conjunct Saturn might not, you know, be as exciting, but it might be, right? I'm always open to excitement. Sunday, the moon is still in the sign of Pisces and, or Sunday, she's moved Saturday into Pisces. She'll be in uh, Pisces all day on Sunday, squaring Venus, trining Mars, sextiling Mercury and Uranus. Our minds are activated, our hearts are activated, and our actions activated. So Sunday could be a pretty busy day, um, but it all depends on how you're dealing with the <laughs> moon conjunct Saturn from the day before. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, okay, so let's take a look here. Uh, any other questions? I, it's right, JLo. That's exactly right. She says that the 55.5 Saturn and the moon this week will be conversing with her 39.5 natal Saturn. So that's because, let's go back to my diagram here. Uh, nope, not my inbox. That one. There we go. Okay, so you guys should be seeing my, my chart again. So the 55 here, this will be Saturn. And if you happen to have the gate 39 defined, which I do, I have this entire channel defined. So all of this is defined for me. And if you have the gate 39 defined, then you are suddenly connecting up the 55 to the 39 and for you, JLo, you have Saturn already sitting here at the gate 39. So you find yourself often in the position of being a provocateur, <laughs> provoking people. And now it should be clearer to you that what you're doing in the provocation is trying to align people back to their highest spiritual potential, right? That might be lost on you sometimes if you don't have the 55 defined. But when the 55 and the 39 are defined together, it becomes very emotional. This is called the channel of emoting or the channel of emotion. And it can be very uh, volatile if you're not aware of how to use emotional energy appropriately. So if that is, you know, you guys out there, if you have the 39, this might be a very emotional weekend as well. So you're going to want to watch uh, that, uh, that you're not reacting in your emotions, that you're responding, right? So if someone says something that ticks you off uh, or you're sensing something, just be cool and calm. Choose, choose how it is you're going to respond to any emotional input. It's the best you can do, right? Now let's talk about celebrating, celebration, right? We are now moving toward the end of the Aries transit of the sun, but also through the gates in your astro design that are related to Aries. And they are the ones that I've highlighted here. Uh, the gate 25 right here. Oops, I forgot that. The gate 25 right here is where Aries initiates his transit. And then we move from 25 to 17. So we're jumping from the heart center, or excuse me, the identity center up to the Ajna, 
And then we move from the 17 to the 21. Now we're in the heart center. So for two weeks in a row uh, of the Aries time period, we had heart center energy or will center energy um, being highlighted with the gate 21 control and the gate 51 shock, right? We just finished shock. And now then we moved to the gate 42 down on the sacral, which is the gate of celebrating, completion, endings, bringing something to a close. And then just this week, let's see, when do we move to the gate three? On April 17th, so Monday uh, through Thursday, we will have the gate three that will end the Aries transit. Uh, gate three is the opening gate for Taurus and it's called the gate of innovation. So it's an interesting thing. Remember Aries energy is the first zodiac sign. So it really represents a beginning, something new. And we end up starting Aries with the gate 25. And the gate 25 is the gate of the love of spirit. So we get this idea uh, that it is all about unconditional love, acceptance, universal love, that we start the, the astrological year with. Now, that's a little bit hidden in astrology, right? In astrology, we don't see that it is a, a result of love or that it's a result of loving energy, unless you really, you know, understand astrology through many different levels. But Aries is about the loving energy that prompts us to move forward, right? That prompts us to start things, to do things new on a very physical world, right? If you're a spirit inhabiting a physical body, now you have this vehicle called a body that you are moving through life with. But where you're coming from is a place where it's all about love. And now you're put into a body on a physical planet that struggles with that concept that is always looking for love but not always understanding, well, what is love? What is true love? What constitutes love? So we, our first adventure, if you will, to celebrate at the end is that we understood love in some way, right? Universal love, which in, in also in, encompasses acceptance of oneself and that acceptance of your own self leads you to be accepting of and tolerant of others around you. Big lessons here, right? And there's a certain sense of innocence that we begin this uh, time period, that we began this time period with way back in March, right? <clears throat> March 20th. So universal love, acceptance, and the idea of being innocent, innocence in that, not to say that we've never done anything wrong, although we could have an interesting conversation about that. We'll do that another day because I'm not sure everybody's ready to go there yet. Um, but that innocently moving into, right, with full, like eyes wide open, what is possible? So possibilities and innocently moving forward, right? No guilt, Although previous lifetimes, we do carry over some things, but as a new soul, as a new beginning, there's nothing written on the tabula rasa, right? It's a blank one. It's a blank, well, I guess tabula rasa means blank slate, right? Blank tablet. So what do we want to write upon the year, right? In this case, it's Aries, energy, beginning the year. What do you want to put there? Now, in the shadow of this gate 25, so here's the 25 right here. This is the identity center, the G center, some of you might have heard it called. It is the 
a place where the magnetic monopole lives. And the magnetic monopole means, a monopole means only one way of, of uh, energy, that energy moves. The monopole can only attract in this case, right? The other side would only be able to repel, right? If you have a magnet, right? One side is magnetically attracting, the other side is magnetically uh, repelling. And in the magnetic monopole residing here in the identity center, it is attractive in nature. It's attracting people, opportunities, challenges, everything that you, you know, all your experiences are being attracted to you via this center, including universal love and acceptance and innocence. But in the shadow here, what we really have attracting uh, a power to is the negative constriction right, where we're limited and or where we shut down our divinity, right? We shut it down, we shut it off, we ignore it. So in the shadow of this brand new Aries energy that we experienced, we have the potential of the negative of constriction, right? And it's just so, it's kind of fascinating to think about it when you come in as a soul, you have this full breadth of knowledge and wisdom have you ever looked into a newborn's eyes i mean you see worlds you see lifetimes in those eyes when they first come in and maybe for the first three to five years of their lives they're just sponges soaking up everything and then something happens right we start to get constricted by the things in our family our culture our society in its purity this energy is about having all of the potential so we started the year every year with all of the potential, right? Then we move into the Ajna, which is the center for mental processing, right? It's thinking, it's certainty, it's truth. And we do this through the gate 17. Now the gate 17 is about opinions. It is um, wise or wisdom. It is uh, a t intelligence born from can I say the scientific method from logic, right? This is in, in a sort of sense, this is the logical energy. This is uh, the begin one of the opening um, processes of logic, i.e. science, right? That part of us that sees things from a pattern recognition. And from that pattern recognition, someone with the gate 17 forms opinions, right? So we all do, right? We are all coming in. We are all the spirit. We have all of this innocence. And then we hit the gate 17 where we become intelligent or wise. We take in information, right? And experience and knowledge. And then we categorize all of that wisdom and that knowledge, right? And we form opinions. And opinions are just that. They're unproven facts. Although a lot of people out there take in information and immediately make it a truth without really questioning who's the who's giving me this information. And is that person, you know, giving me this information because that's what they believe? Have they proven this? Right. So we have to find proof in the gate 17 to add to the wisdom element. We can't be wise by spreading opinions. Now, I think this one is really interesting when you look at it from the gene keys, because in the highest expression, this is omniscience. Think about that. We usually think about omniscience 
uh, as relegated to the gods, right? Or relegated to the divine, but you are of the divine. We already established that. You're part of the divine matrix, right? So you are also omniscient when you choose to allow your opinions to guide you to find what's true, right? Truth. Now in the shadow energy of this, it's narrow-mindedness, right? It's being dualistic. It's like this way or the highway. It's not, it's not my way and maybe your way is also true. It's my way and it's opinionated, right? It just becomes opinionated and narrowed mindedness. So we, we move through a process in Aries of honing in, if you will, our beliefs or really come becoming more crystallized in what we believe. The problem is, is it truth, right? Is it truth? Is it really um, intelligence? Is it really wisdom? Or is it just opinion? So there's that. The next gate we move into through Aries is the gate control. Now, these are difficult gates. The 17 is difficult. The 21 is difficult. The 51 is difficult. And these are all gates that we run into immediately in Aries. It's almost like we are birthed in this lovely spiritual energy. And boom, we start hitting some of the more human things that we'll have to struggle with in our lifetimes or each year in our lifetime, right? The gate 21 is called the gate of control or the gate of uh, not self-acceptance, self-regulation, right? Here's where we regulate the self. In the center that it's in, this is where gate 21 is. This is the center of resource management, right? It, it uh, manages and allocates resources, money, energy, time and any other kind of resource that that you can imagine if if you were in a, a human resource manager it would be the job that you are managing human resources right the the resources that are in your people now in the highest energy here this is the ability to manage and direct and be in charge right it's a very take charge kind of energy and it's leading forward. It's very Martian in this case, Mars-like. So now we're joining Mars's qualities here in a very powerful way. The way of ambition and drive and stepping forward. But in the shadow of the 21, we run into the control freaks, right? Or the control freak within us, right? There are things that I like to control, right? And I don't even have gate 21, <laughs> Or, I mean, it's open. It's there, but it's open. Um, and define, when it's defined, it's like I, I come face to face with the things that I'm trying to control in my environment or in my life. And almost always it has to do with time. Right? I'm always trying to micromanage time. This is also authoritarian energy in its shadow. Authoritarian energy runs counter to our human design. There is no authoritarian in human design. It's all about the... How do we get along together? It's synchronistic or synergistic. Uh, it's more democratic, I guess you could say, without that being a political statement, being, you know, ruler ruling by the people. That is in our human design. The gate 21 can often bring up the shadow of the dictator energy or the authoritarian that wants to control everything. And on the other end, it can also be the more uh, repressed side of the the energy where you're being controlled by someone else so you're here as a free spirit so when you're running through this aries energy you may come into com to connection with places where you are not in control 
or where you've not felt in control or where you're trying to control other people because other people are feeling it too. And they may be in reaction to your wanting to control. So those are the shadows. But in the highest, it's the person that can manage. They can manage everything, right? Financially, they can manage. Uh, energetically, they can manage. It's really a beautiful energy when it's working and it's positive. Then we run into the 51, the 51 called the gate of shock. Um, but it's also, you know, it reminds me of Zeus, right? With the thunderbolt, the or lightning bolt, not thunder, but the lightning bolt that happens, something that shakes you up, right? That wakes you up, comes out, makes you come out of your reverie, makes you come out of your um, comfort zone a bit. And this is Aries energy at its best. It's provocative. It's not the gate of provocation. But if you have the 51 and the 39, you are the lightning bolt, right? <laughs> That's your 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 place in the world is the lightning bolt. Uh, but the the it's an initiating energy here. It's initiating us to go back to the beginnings of our innocence, of our acceptance, of our universal love, to move away from constriction, to move away from limitation. So the 51 shock isn't about hurting or harming. It's about waking us up. To where are we using the Aries energy wrong, incorrectly? Where are we not being bold and moving forward, but holding ourselves back? So in a way, we have the, the energy here of uh, initiating that powerful sort of change that can occur in our lives that moves us back into alignment with our soul, right? Our soul right here. It's moving us into the soul. Now, in its shadow, we might have, you know, the energy of the shocking, the shocker, the person that pushes your buttons, right, that says or does things designed to provoke you or to shock you. And, you know, sometimes that can be a good thing, but other times this can get us into that sort of, you know, shock and awe kind of person uh, or even us as the shocker for other people. Again, to move us back to our soul, not to harm, but some people may be using it as a way to not, to, just to get attention, right? To get, to be seen. Uh, so gotta watch that when we're in the negative of this one. The next one we go to is on the sacral, the 42, and this is where we are right this minute. And the 42 is the gate of celebration. It's the gate of, I've done a good job here. I've wakened up. I have maintained love as my main direction. I am using my resources wisely. I am taking the energy of initiation and, you know, of, uh, ev evolving in my life, raising my consciousness. And now I get to celebrate. This is about the, wor the world of closing down, finishing up. Um, encouraging ourselves to, to complete something, right? That it might be that we're completing a project, we're completing a relationship, maybe we're completing a job, uh, whatever it is, this is bringing us to the celebration point, the completion of something. Now in the shadow, this can be where we practice avoidance, right? Uh, uh, Oh, gosh, what is that other word where we, we avoid doing things? It starts with a P. Why is my brain dead? But it can also be a very uh, emotionally shut down energy in its lowest, right? It can become obsessed with the endings 
right, of ending things like, oh, woe is me, right? Everything is ending, everything's finishing. Um, but of course, everything we start does need to come to some kind of ending, right? So it's a conscious ending in this case. And then we end up our Aries transit at the gate three. And I love this gate. This gate is also called innocence. Hmm. We start Aries in innocence at the 25 and we end Aries in innocence. Again, trusting, being open. This is uh, a gate that uh, some people realize that it, it's a, associated with the tarot, the fool, the card, the fool where there's this innocent trusting openness and it is also in human design a gate of innovation doing something new right so once we have a completion then it leaves us the space to do the next step what comes next right in its shadow though this particular gate can get stuck can become uh, riddled with the fear of starting something new, can get um, can get caught up with the imagination stuck up here in the head, and not able to bring in these new ideas or to act on new ideas. And if you have an innocent child uh, in the shadow, it becomes the bad child, right? The one that's run amok. So we have both ends here. What are we going to are we going to take this energy and become innocent and innocently move into the next grip, which or the next sign, which is Taurus. And in Taurus, it's cultivation now. Right. We'll do the same thing when we get to the end of Taurus. What are the Taurus gates and what will we be cultivating here? We were in the beginning of something and in Taurus, we cultivate right? We grow, we nurture, we expand upon the things that we started with. So, all right. Uh, oh gosh, lots of things going on here. Good morning, Jana. Uh, JLo says, funny, I'm multitasking, listening and paying attention to workers in my home. Oh my goodness, procrastinating. That's the word, Jana. Doing, putting off until tomorrow what I don't want to do today. And uh, that's, that thank you god that word just went out of my head um so questions tom new pleiadian earth energy week starts tomorrow saturday one remembering it's a west energy very good uh i'm lisa cunningham i'm so mercury these things are hard for me being gemini sun and moon then more mercury with a virgo rising whoa 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 that is a that that's quite a bit of um mercurial energy right the energy of change and adaption of uh flexibility so uh, i think it could be used very positively as long as you're not flitting from one thing to another right with scatteredness losing focus that could be the the problem uh tom has 55 defined and 39 open so now you have a double hit with saturn sitting at 55 maybe bringing up um having faith in yourself, having faith that you're cared for, having faith in the, the love of the divine, having faith that you're being provided for or that you will never be lacking in what you need, all of that. Um, okay, so now let's pull a card, shall we? Gosh, where did that hour go? It always goes by so fast. So I didn't bring my cards over here. So one moment here while I drag them over um let's do a dream weaver and a pleiadian since it's the beginning of the pleiadian week tomorrow we'll pull that one first and this will be for the collective right so 
what is it that we can do this weekend? Now, remember, next week on Monday, we'll be talking about the new moon, which is also a solar eclipse. And also the sun's move into Taurus the day after. So next week is a bigger week than this last week has been. Uh, and also is one where change is coming, right? Change. So I've got card two, manifestation. Examine your beliefs to see how they may be preventing the positive manifestations you desire. So it's two manifesting or manifestation and talks about beliefs. So let's see. It's a beautiful card. Manifesting comes toward the end. Card number two. There we go. And here's what it says. One of the major impediments to manifestation is your belief systems. Beliefs are something you keep in your mind from previous experience, which is not based on whatever is happening in the present moment. In order to intentionally manifest something, you must release all old beliefs and historical patterns that keep you in the past, knowing that it's possible to manifest something different now. Trust in the universe to provide what you need. Trust comes from your heart, while beliefs in your mind always get in the way of manifesting something else. By sidestepping your mental process, you can more easily connect with that true message from your heart. Remaining in old belief patterns keeps you from experiencing the energy of the current moment to manifest your next new experience. Positive manifestation requires eliminating all old beliefs and moving forward trusting that other possibilities, that's a great Gemini word, uh, are always available. The universal energy too speaks to duality. Move away from the duality of focusing on the past and the future by staying in the present, for it is only in the present that you can manifest what you need. It's great advice for us to manifestation. And actually on Sunday, we'll be in energy of two, but too loving, not manifesting, but to loving. So we'll take up duality in some ways this weekend. Okay, now let's do one more card. We're going to do the new Colette Baron Reed deck, the Dreamweaver's Oracle. And I'm using this one quite a bit because it's new to me and I want to just get a feel for it so that I know how to integrate it into the readings that I would do with people. And again, this is for the collective for the weekend. And when Coyote calls your name, card number three, there's Coyote. Interesting. Coyote, very Gemini energy. <laughs> uh, Coyote is the trickster. Let's see what this has to do with us this weekend. When Coyote calls your name, the essential meaning is divine detours, the value of not getting what you think you want. Discovering greater treasure when you are forced to change course. Hmm. Sometimes you find yourself confused about your direction. You might have been so sure you were meant for this situation, this love, this job, or this thing, yet you're forced to walk away. All the signs had been pointing to potential magic and fulfillment, but somehow things are not turning out the way you expected or wanted. When Coyote calls your name, you're being given a great gift. This apparent loss, detour, or change of course has been set in motion to give you what you truly need. The dream weavers know the truth in your heart. They know the perfect they know the perfect reflections of your greatest dreams are already available and woven into the fabric of your life. 
just waiting for you to discover them. But they are meant to come in a different form than the one you've become attached to. In this moment, it's important for you to surrender your expectations and trust in divine timing and form. When Coyote calls your name, you will know this way was the best way for you after all. Your life is woven true and the new threads of your experience sparkle. There really was no loss or disappointment at all. Only a new, meaningful adventure and a beautiful story to tell. I wonder if this is confirmation for me to get the Surrender Experiment book, or for all of you for that matter. All right, so when Coyote calls, uh, that's it. That's it for me today. Thank you all for joining me. It was really good to be back. And I put a link in the very beginning of the show today to something I was going to talk about again uh, to remind everybody about the Astrology Planetary Grid or Astro Design Planetary Grid. This is one that you can take and put all of the planets. Remember, we talked about this about a week or so, maybe two weeks ago now. And uh, I have put that link there so you can go and either print it or I believe because it's in Google Drive, you can fill it out directly from there and then print it when it's already filled out. Uh, If you have questions about that, you can absolutely contact me or uh, do it in the morning, talk about it in the morning show. All right, that's it. You guys take care. Blessings. Bye for now.